if you would, and turn to number 77, a very familiar and beloved hymn, How Great Thou Art. Let us stand as we sing together. the word of the Lord as it's recorded in Hebrews chapter 5, the first 10 verses. Every high priest is appointed to help others by offering gifts and sacrifices to God because of their sins. A high priest has weaknesses of his own, and he feels sorry for foolish and sinful people. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins and for the sins of others. But no one can have the honor of being a high priest simply by, be, simply by wanting to be one. Only God can choose a priest, and God is the one who chose Aaron. That is how it was with Christ. He became a high priest but not just because he wanted the honor of being so. It was God who told him, You are my son, because today I have become your father. In another place, God says, You are a priest forever, just like Melchizedek. God had the power to save Jesus from death. And while Jesus was on earth, he begged God, 
with loud crying and tears to save him. He truly worshipped God, and God listened to his prayers. Jesus is God's own son, but still he had to suffer before he could learn what it really means to obey God. Suffering made Jesus perfect, and now he can save forever all who obey him. This is because God chose him to be a high priest like Melchizedek. Let us pray. God, we come to you with heartfelt praise and thanksgiving. The love of this church, the love of your church universally runs deep and wide. And we're thankful to be in that stream where we can share with one another, where we can uh, meet friends new and old and uh, know that all of us are received in your grace and accepted in your kindness all by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we would profess Him as our Lord. We worship you this day mindful of the seasons. The air feels cooler. We know that uh, fall is uh, is moving on and that winter will come. And there are other seasons about that uh, we don't always understand. Uh, the time of life for humanity, uh, the age of the planet, the uh, oh, the times of crisis worldwide, and the times of celebration in many places. But we worship you, the God of all, and we seek to know your your will and your law and and to be faithful to our covenants with you. And how can we do that without worship? Oh, we we thank you for calling us here. Give us hearts for those who are deaf, for those who are closed-minded for those who are not now receptive but might become receptive to Your Word and to Your love so that we will not tire of being kind and merciful. So that we will grow stronger in our bearing the image of Jesus Christ. So that we will grow in our faithfulness to You in our love, not just for one another, but for all others. We thank You for a choir that sings so well and for the hymns familiar and some not so familiar that speak words of praise. With our thanksgiving, we offer ourselves without reservation. Call us. Guide us, use us, as you will. In Jesus' name. And we pray as He has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The reading of the gospel. Today's lesson is from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They said, allow one of us to sit on your right and the other on your left when you enter your glory. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or receive the baptism I receive? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and receive the baptism I receive. But to sit at my right or left, right or left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. Jesus called them over and said, You know that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. The Word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. Coburn, Virginia is a town that's a lot like Copper Hill. It's a mining town, coal, not copper, and it's set on a hill. Uh, the, the, it's a creek, not a river, that's uh, down on, running beside the main street, and uh, the, the, the road is actually between the creek and the railroad here, but in Coburn, the, the creek runs between the street and the railroad. Anyway, it's not exactly the same, but it's very common. And while I was pastor there, I got acquainted with a fella who came and stood at the post office. Now, the church and post office were just across the street from each other. A lot of people came and stood around the post office, but this guy and I chatted a little bit every now and then, and uh, I got to know him by name. And You know, he, he was friendly, and I was friendly, and I think we kind of liked each other, but I got a call one day that he was in the hospital. Now, I had thought he'd been homeless, but when I, when I went to the hospital to check on him, his daughter was there. I learned that he lived not in Coburn, but in the neighboring town of Norton, and that uh, you know, he did have a family there. So when I was headed to the room, the daughter looked at me suspiciously. Now, who are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church Methodist Church in Coburn. She said, were you called or were you educated? 
Sometimes God has just given me the right answer. And I said, well, I got called, and then I got educated. And she, she was satisfied with that and had a good visit with her father. I, I wish I could say there was more to that story, but uh, that's about where it begins and ends. Except there's always been people kind of suspicious about us preacher types, you know, questioning our call. And then there's some who just question education. And, uh, oh, it's not just pastors anymore. It's everybody. You know, what, what right do they have to be who they are? Never mind that God created them. Never, never mind that God made them who they are. Of course, you know, you live a few years, you got a little bit more to do with it besides God's doing. And we're not always obedient or listening or uh, teachable or moldable in any way. But I got to thinking about uh, rights as I was reading the passages for today. On the one hand, James and John made the brothers mad. Now, Matthew softens this a little bit because Matthew says that it was their mother who asked Jesus this question. Mark doesn't cushion it a bit. Not only that, remember, this is that section of Mark's gospel where Jesus has said, I'm headed to the cross. I'm going to be tried, beaten, crucified, I'll die, and on the third day I'll rise again. And each time the disciples show their ignorance. Peter first, this can't happen to you. Some of the other disciples, when they're talking about who's the greatest. And now James and John are identified because they ask, we want to sit one at your right and one at your left when you come into your glory. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Wouldn't you like to be seated as close to Jesus as you could? Uh, Maybe you're too scared. Maybe you're already convinced you're not good enough. Maybe you haven't been walking that closely to Him. Then again, you know, I'm sorry, I forgot to turn my phone off. And it's just somebody doesn't know I'm in church. Um, You know, even sometimes I, I get to thinking myself, you know, I, I know Jesus. I know Jesus pretty well. And I'm not convinced that all the scholars have it right. And I'm not convinced that all the Jesus freaks back in the 60s had it right. And I'm not convinced that all the evangelicals or all the liberals have it right either. That's about as far as I go. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come down the point of saying I'm the one who's got it right and I'm the only one who knows. Um, Forgive me if I even, well, forgive me for talking about it. It's a dangerous place to be. But you can, you can kind of admire James and John in a way. I've even thought about this. The Roman table, uh, the culture of that day, the Roman table was, was uh, like a horseshoe. There was a head table 
and there were two side tables. Now the get the host sat at the center of of the of the head table. And if there were special people invited, say, you know, President Trump's having the king of Saudi Arabia and the and the president of France in to visit. Well the, the one one king would be at the center of this table and one would be at the center of this table. And then beside them would be their uh, their support and their staff or their men of honor. Now, now maybe, maybe, just, just maybe, James and John were ahead of the curve a little bit. Maybe they were thinking, we don't want to be kings ourselves. We want to be your support staff. We want to be those who sit closest to you. That's your right and your left. Well, that's almost appealing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I could sort of get into that. But, you know, they're, they're asking for themselves. Even if Matthew does say their mother asked, it's something they wanted. And, and what it reminds us is that too often, too often we pray, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. And too often we don't consider the difference between our needs and our wants. And, and more often than that, we don't consider the needs or the wants of any of those around us. And so they're looking out for themselves. And uh, Jesus makes it clear. You know, you're, you're talking like, like people of the world. And, and, and mine is a different kind of kingdom. And he says, uh, you know, if you want to be first, be last. And uh, if you're trying hard to be first, you're going to end up last. Now, we can play a false humility with all of this. We can put ourselves down and say, well, I'm, I'm, well, Paul almost did, you know. He bragged, I'm the worst of all sinners. He was driving home another point. But uh, sometimes, you know, we, we say, well, I'm, I'm worth nothing. I'm, and, and, and I think, we, you know, within that we're thinking, I'll put me down and God can pick me up. You got to be careful. I, we, we know too much these days. It can get in the way. Um, but uh, within the church, we have rites of passage, R I T E S. And by our sacrament of baptism, we, we recognize at the very beginning of life the value of life. Now somebody's got to take responsibility to bring the child to us and somebody's got to take the responsibility of presenting the child to us for baptism. But uh, if they do that, then you know who's responsible for that child growing up in the faith and in the love of God? All of us. 
each and every one of us who have been baptized. That's a rite of passage for that child. Oh, we've got so many confusions about baptism. We Sometimes we don't baptize our children when they're babies and we don't put them through confirmation when they're older. And I don't know how many people live and die without being baptized. It wouldn't be the measure of those who are saved or who are not saved, but... Uh, I think we miss something when we when we miss out on the rites of passage. We do it well at funerals. We're not quite as good at weddings as we used to be because a lot of people, you know, would rather live together. They don't want to take a chance on breaking marriage vows. And it doesn't matter if you're unfaithful if you're not married. Ooh, does that say that? Um, well, yeah, it, you know, we... We don't pay much attention to the rites of passage, but isn't it strange that while we sort of ignore and pay attention mainly to the to the rite of, of the funeral, uh, everybody's clamoring for their rights, R-I-G-H-T-S. Everybody's clamoring for their rights. You know, part of what's wrong with the world today is we passed civil rights back in the 60s. And there's some white people upset about that because they never got their rights. And uh, some think blacks are too, you know, they're taking too much for granted. And some thinks, think that we've been over backwards to please them. And, you know, and, and that relates to homosexuality and any other divisions among people. Number one, if somebody's different than we are, we're usually scared of them. Number two, if they're not with us. Oh, that's another sermon. I'm sorry. Jesus got things to say about that. But um, we're, we're wanting our rights, and we're not always wanting equal rights. I mean, this whole thing about refugees and people who want to come to America, they're not all criminals. They're not all irresponsible some of them have shown a great deal more responsibility than the ones who are born here. And we know for a fact, it's not all a gravy train. You don't get much of anything unless you work for it. And I believe that's as true for the refugees and immigrants as it is for the rest of us. Sometimes they're just more willing, more willing to work for less. Anyway, politics, you know, politics, politics. Uh, what about rights and rights? The rights of passage. The, 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 the reminders that we live in this life by the gift of God's love. And for those of us who worship God, we live daily by the grace of God. Now, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that, uh, you know, God calls some people to be priests. But we don't have priests and high priests in the Methodist 
denomination, but I do believe God called me to be a pastor, and that led to my being an elder of the United Methodist Church, ordained with uh, certain responsibilities. And seems to me it's a whole lot more responsibilities than rights, but uh, I am free to serve communion and perform baptisms anywhere in the world. Um, but uh, it is more responsibilities. Now, the writer of Hebrews makes the point that the priest, you know, is no sin and, and the priest, you know, has, has compassion for those who have sinned and so he helps make sacrifices and for, bring about forgiveness of their sins. And then, then he compares those priests of the old faith to Jesus, the high priest of the Christian church and the Christian faith. And uh, if you read those verses, it's challenging to some of our basic theology. I mean, he doesn't seem to recognize any virgin birth. He, he doesn't seem to suggest that Jesus was perfect from the start. He said he was made perfect by his sufferings. But he does tell us. And he's quoting the psalmist when he says he is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He, he is our priest. The writer of Hebrews doesn't hide the fact. We, we may have to suffer with him. And, uh, you know, we're, oh, you know, in our Protestant thing, we get into the priesthood of all believers, but the fact of the matter is we're, we're equal on all ranks within the faith. And, and I would say to some extent, uh, though we can give thanks for the knowledge and the assurance of our salvation until we've given somebody the invitation and they have turned it down we cannot say that we're any different at all from any of them because God loves us all I hope it would make you want to share with somebody share with somebody the story, tell me the story of Jesus, a Savior who bled and died, whose death on the cross secures God's love for each of us, and whose resurrection from the grave assures each of us of our eventual resurrection. And we can live with that power and that confidence in the present time. It's kind of a mixed message, I agree. Because, uh, I, you know, I, I, I want people to be more involved in the life of the church, and I wish that we gave more attention to baptism. And, uh, you know, some of our church rites, R-I-T-E-S. But I'm proud of the way we can celebrate a funeral. For a good person like Tommy, for for somebody like uh, Peggy McCown, that, uh, whose funeral some of us will be attending this afternoon, um, I just hope we can do more while we're living to to live by faith and to uh, show that we are of the faith.
preaching's done. It's up to you. It's up to you. What steps you take this day and this week. Uh, how you hear God call. How you choose to respond. What you choose to do to show more love. To uh, be more like like Jesus. And to... Uh, Show people a, a, a love that comes with mercy and grace. Let's pray. God, uh, after all said and done, more said than done, but maybe this time there will be some things done that will set things in motion that no one will ever be able to count. And uh, that in Your love and uh, by Your Holy Spirit, the news will be shared, the love will be shared, and faith will grow among us and within the communities where we work and live and spend our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Spirit Song is number 347. It's a beautiful song. And uh, a good call to uh, repentance or call to uh Reclaim the faith or just to reaffirm your, your love for God. Let's stand as we sing together. Some of us know what the next rite of passage is will be for us. 
I've got retirement between now and then, but uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure when either one will be. But we go into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, the loving Savior of a loving God. And we go as a loving church. We go into the world where there is conflict of various kinds and even dangers of various kinds. But we go trusting in God's Spirit to preserve and protect as well as to help us proclaim the good news. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.